Welcome to Monster Crush, the podcast for monster lovers. Each week, we discuss some of the hottest cryptids, monsters, and paranormal entities the world has to offer. Along the way, we make fun of ourselves, learn useless information, and discover our monster crush. Will your favorite monster make it to a second date? Seth, say hello. Hmm? Say hello. Hi, I'm Seth. <laughs> this is, nice to be here. This is our second take. Uh, <laughs> we originally recorded last night, and we did a really, really great episode where Seth took me on a tour of some monster crushes. And while it was happening, first of all, while it was happening, I was just ecstatic. I was thrilled. It was so much fun. <laughs> but also while it was happening, Seth did a much better job than I've ever done. And so I was worried <laughs> that when it came out, people were going to be like, what the fuck is she doing if this is the level that we could go to? Oh, and so <laughs> I'm secretly glad that you guys will never experience that because now you don't know what you're missing. <laughs> I, yeah, I, it was my hubris that was the downfall anyways, because I thought I could make fun of some supernatural creatures and have them not totally fuck up my recording. Right, and now you know. Yeah. This is like, this is like the other day when you were like, you don't need to put that it's a popular fake ghost hunting show, because <laughs> ghost hunting implies that it's fake. It's all fake. <laughs> you just stacked Learning. all of this bad ghost karma, and now they're coming for you. <laughs> Bring it. Oh, boy. Yeah, I uh, I was listening over that audio, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's so good. Okay, good, good, good. And then I was a little crackle and pop, and I was like, oh, shoot, well, um, that'll be all right. Then I went 15 minutes in, 15 minutes in, and it was just like, hip. I was like, uh, I shut the fucking computer down and went to bed. I was like, okay, today is over. I'm glad you listened to it, though, because I, if I were me and I was sending you audio, I would not listen to it. <laughs> yeah, it would have been a bummer for us to find out, like, now-ish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would have just been texting you, Seth, wake up! Seth, wake up! Seth, wake up! <laughs> recording right now! We're already recording! <laughs> so, in order to spare... Uh, well, in order to spare Seth having to do more research, I decided that I was going to put together a pinch hitter episode. So this will be me doing some dates for Seth. Which I'm excited for, frankly, because I deserve it. I deserve a date. You do. After all of that that you went through. (laughs) Treat myself. And I know that you've already told me this story, so my reactions aren't going to be quite as organic, but I would love if you told the Skinwalker story again. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. So uh, I used to live in uh, Page, Arizona, which some people may or may not know is pretty close to Lachi, which is a Navajo reservation. And uh, I own, this is pretty much one of my only supernatural stories because i am very much cynical and i don't even think necessarily this is what happens but i don't have any more explanations and the friend that was with me is very adamant about it um uh we saw a skinwalker according to david manny shout out to david and the mannies david 
<laughs> hey yo he uh he was one of my friends in page arizona uh he was navajo and his like they were very um uh very so very much so close to the culture um their grandmother um didn't speak english like i'd have to learn navajo phrases to talk to her um so they were pretty reverent towards some some of that stuff and especially this uh which i found out um it was probably in december oh it was in december because it was a 12 days of christmas thing we were doing where you um like drive around and do it to a couple people you like give them a message and a gift for every 12 days like at their door and you knock on the door and you run away oh i didn't Um, know there was a message i thought it was just a gift was the message stuff like oh i know (laughs) yeah it was just a big black handprint on a (laughs) a piece of paper um no it was uh it was it was pretty lame it was just like joyous times on on this uh christmas day la la and like i don't know i don't can't really remember it but it was like pre-printed out by somebody's parents so we had to go uh around in the cold in the winter at night uh, on in the back of this truck bed and drop these things off and uh in one of the suburbs uh we ended up dropping off a uh, one of these little gifts and we took off got into the truck bed and kind of kind of half peeled out got went left pretty quickly and uh, as we were leaving, I remember looking back um, because a light, a streetlight went on at the end, like the end of this kind of cul-de-sac, uh, kind of flickered on. And uh, I remember looking at it and seeing somebody like crouched down right underneath it. Uh, and I remember thinking like, it is way too far into the suburbs for like a homeless person to just be chilling here. Like it, it seemed very, very out of place, but he looked very much like kind of a hooded person down on their luck, kind of crouched up, huddled. And that's when I realized as I was looking at it, that it was directly under the streetlight, but completely silhouette black. And I was like, what? And then it stood up and two things. One, it was very tall. And the second thing was it had these like kind of bunched up rounded, very inhuman shoulders. Mm-hmm. And I was just kind of dumbstruck as we were driving away from it. And then, and then I swear to God, um, I don't have an explanation for this, but this is exactly what I saw. The, the silhouette turned into two separate silhouettes and walked in different directions. No, and that's a big, I, that's a hard no for me. Yeah, yeah. I was like, <laughs> like my my whole body was like, oh, adrenaline mode. Yeah, we're in an emergency now. And I looked over to my friend, and his like he was just like, like slack jawed. He was like, I want to go home. I want to go home right now. And uh, uh, I he he went home and twelve days of Christmas thing for that night, and uh, I got in big trouble with his mom because I. I tried to talk to him about it later and she kind of had to explain that like it was something that was not to be talked about. And, uh, so yeah, I saw, I saw as far as I know, a fucking Yanagoshi. That's fucking scary. I don't like it. I don't like it. Yeah. No, I don't like that either. But other than that, everything else is fake. Come at me ghosts. Well, okay. So I just want to interject. I couldn't interject last night because we didn't know at the time, but that was the first of your two paranormal encounters because we now share some type of technologically transmitted spirit. (laughs) Somehow related to a fictional Japanese butt organ. (laughs) 
Oh, so, yeah. so well, we can't talk about it actually because we don't want it to then be in it's this true. audio. So we have to. We're gonna have to <laughs> I can stop. hear. I can hear the video game combat music coming from over the horizon. So we have to no! stop. So for for this episode, um, oh, and you know what you what you all did miss that was lost in in our audio uh, was Seth was telling not a story, but he was talking about one of the cryptids that he almost included because he did Japanese cryptids. And so he was doing, he was like, yeah, there's this one and it it creeps into your bathroom at night and it (laughs) licks. And as he's saying this, my cat jumps on my shoulders. And so I just hear it creeps into your bathroom and it licks. And then I feel claws digging into the back of my neck (laughs) and I almost died. It, well, on my side, it sounded like there was never a cryptid that you were less down to hear about. Because as I was explaining, you're like, oh, oh, no. <laughs> it was very scary. <laughs> so I'm, I'm keeping my eye out on her to make sure she doesn't uh, yeah. do anything. I was going to say, I feel like she's going to try again for sure. Oh, yeah. Just waiting for the right opportunity. So I decided to, I I picked three cryptids and I may have gotten it a little wrong because I wanted to do places that you currently live or have lived. Word, okay. And I did Utah instead of Arizona. Oh yeah, so basically Page, Arizona is about 15 minutes south of the border of Utah. So I actually lived in Big Water, Utah, but I went to school in Page. Okay, so I wasn't wrong. So it still very much works. Okay, yeah. good. I've only picked up <laughs> contextual clues about where you've lived as we've never <laughs> yeah. actually had a conversation about it. Yeah, I've never been out on the, on the porch back in my day. So I, I have one from Washington, I have one from Alaska, and I have one from Utah. Yes, cool, cool, and, cool. And we'll see what you, uh, if you, if you know any of these. Yeah, yeah. So I'd be, I'd be very proud of myself if I did. <laughs> Let's begin with Singleton number one. Ooh. Our tale begins in Washington, Mount St. Helens, to be exact, in the year 1980. I'm sure Ooh. you know what happened in 1980. Yeah. Um, synthesizer music? <laughs> no. Mount St. Helens eruption, right? Yeah, yeah. So following two months of earthquakes, aftershocks, and steam venting on May 18th, an earthquake caused an avalanche that exposed the side of the mountain, allowing Mm. the magma gas mixture to explode outwards. (sighs) The eruption spread ash across 11 U.S. states, and it is the most destructive volcano event in the contiguous states. Mm. My grandma actually was at work when that happened. Really? Mm-hmm. Like, in, like in an affected area? Well, she's in. She was in Portland, and oh, right, uh, right. all of a sudden, someone started screaming, and so everyone. She worked in a high rise. She worked in a law office, and so uh, it was a high rise with like all glass windows. And so she ran to the window, and they were just you know, they could just see the explosion and then ash just coated Portland. And so she has a vial yeah. of ash that she got. Oh, that's cool that she kept it. Yeah. That's very cool. Damn. I found it once in a drawer and I was like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap. Man, I, I, uh, I had ash fall in Alaska once, but I don't remember what it was for. Cause I was, I was born in 1989. So it definitely wasn't Mount St. Helens. It probably wasn't Mount St. Helens. 
I don't know what it was. You should be worried. So I was doing some research on Mount St. Helens to like get some more facts about the explosion. And apparently between this year, January 1st, 2018 and January 4th, 2018, Mm -hmm. there were 30 earthquakes on Mount St. Helens. So... So you, so you realize you're telling this to a person with an anxiety disorder. No, right? but then I but then I also read because I wanted to follow up because I know that it was going to freak you out. I also read that seismologists <laughs> said that it's actually not near the magma centers and it's just the mountain shifting. Okay. Well, fr- yeah, frankly, I know nothing about seismology, but I'm almost I'm almost happier that there are a bunch of smaller earthquakes than absolutely nothing and then pop. Boop. Apparently, yeah. Mount St. Helens has about 12 earthquakes a month. Damn. Mm-hmm. It's a big boy. So Mount St. Helens continued to erupt the next day, and then a few more times later in the year. But it was the explosion of May 18th that killed 57 people and destroyed 230 square miles of land. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot. That's it was a it's a big, big blast. Man, I watched a whole documentary about that in 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 like elementary school i don't know why they let us to do that i never forgot it because i was so terrified about it and oh, telling stories about gosh. people being like too close to the mountain and not being able to like outdrive the clouds uh, uh, i heard i heard those stories too when i was a kid and we were always told that one of the reasons that the blast was so destructive was because of the avalanche that took off an entire side of the mountain instead of exploding up it went out and so Ugh. instead of going into the air and then kind of falling down, it was just like, hello, just straight <laughs> up from the side of the mountain. Oh God. Have, have you ever seen that, that video of, uh, I think it's, I think it's like, um, it's not near that area, but there was some kind of smaller volcano that like just completely explodes, like doesn't erupt, explodes and it no. fires like. It fires shrapnel into the air, oh. and you don't realize it when you're watching it uh, until he starts zooming in and it starts like going towards the sea. But these these pebbles, they look like just chunks of rock that are flipping out, are like like meters and meters wide, and they land in the ocean like miles away. Oh. Like that kind of power, it blows in my mind. I didn't know that could happen. Yeah, that's that's really scary. Did you ever see the movie Dante's Peak? Hell yes, I watched it all the time. Oh my god, that movie scared me so bad when I was a kid because I lived at the base of Mount Tabor, which is oh, which is a volcano in Portland, and it's not an active volcano; like it's a hundred percent dormant. But after I saw that movie, after I saw that movie, I was like, "All right, like I have to be ready because at any moment this mountain is going to explode." Um, yeah. And for those of you who haven't seen Dante's Peak, starring Pierce Brosnan. My boy. <laughs> it is about a size. Are they called seismologist? Seismologist? Uh, I think they're seismeisters. Seismeisters. Pierce Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan is a is a seismeister, and there's a sexy <laughs> mare lady, and he's trying to warn everyone that Dante's Peak is going to explode, and no one believes him until it's too late, and then they have to evacuate the entire town while lava is just slowly encroaching. And there's a scene where the mare's children had like gone up to rescue their grandma without telling anyone. 
Do you remember this? And they're in the boat. I was just gonna say this. This is striking my memory. Yeah. The the what like the poison evil boiling water. Yeah, and they're in oh the boat, God. and they're like, Grandma, don't go in the water. It's super hot. And she's like, But we can't get to the shore from here. And so she goes in the water, and she's just yeah, this little old like, thing. And she's Wah! like <laughs> screaming as she pushes the boat towards shore, as she's just screaming in agony as she's boiled alive. It is fucking. I watched that shit in school. I watched. That in school and, and i was like yay we get to do this instead of homework and i was like oh my god so scary so it's fucked up man to this day if i ever turn on a faucet and brown water comes out i'm like god damn it dante's peak the volcano's <laughs> about to explode you grab your your 15 year old bug out bag and cartwheel into a car <laughs> all right back to me mount st Helens. <laughs> yeah so so, uh, so what I'm what I'm guessing so far is that this somehow uh, displaced or brought out some sort of cryptid. Mm-hmm. So one okay. one creature did survive the blast, or perhaps he was born from it. I was born from it. All we know is that he's aggressive, has glowing red eyes, a sinister air about him, an ape-like okay. body, and mm-hmm. giant bat wings. I'm into it so far. Oh, and he has purple fur. Oh, oh, one hundred percent. So like, like, so he's 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 got like a nice air about him too. But he might also be good with kids. Is what you're saying? Well, we'll see. I have some I have some eyewitness testimony about him punching kids because I don't want to hear it. <laughs> he just like goes right up to them and knocks them over. <laughs> so throughout 1980s, there were rumors. But what began only as rumors turned into a frightening reality for one young boy. Who <laughs> got punched? <laughs> right in the arm. In 1994, teenager Brian Canfield was driving in the foothills of Ma- Mount Rainier, heading towards Camp One. I don't know where Camp One is. I don't know. I don't I, like it though. That's, I googled that was his it. First I can't. I googled it. And I can't find anything about Camp One in Mount Rainier, so I don't. Cue I, the theremin music. Maybe it's like a teenage makeout spot. Oh, maybe yeah. Despite being in working condition, his truck stalled, and he coasted to a stop along the deserted road. Before he could think about what to do, a nine-foot-tall, bluish ape-man swept by him on massive wings. It landed in a field near him, and he reports, It was standing there staring at me like it was resting, like it didn't know what to think. I was scared. It raised the hair on me. I didn't feel threatened. I just felt out of place. It's looking right at me in a deep stare, like right through me. It's standing perfectly still. It stood for how long? A few minutes? Several minutes? Then its fingers twitched and its wings began to unfold. Those wings were as wide as the road. It turned its head and looked back at me and started flapping its wings. A few minutes later, the truck just started. I took off as fast as I could. (laughs) Damn. I was totally waiting for him to have like like a six foot wingspan or something like that, and I was gonna be like bullshit. But those sound like pretty big wings. It sounds like really big wings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this was reported in the News Tribune in Tacoma, Washington, on April twenty fourth, nineteen ninety four. Word. Okay. And they do note in the article that Brian was an upstanding student, and he did not do drugs. <laughs> yeah. What that means. That no nobody caught him doing drugs. <laughs> I know, I know Brian. I know his heart. 
yeah, and there's also a very weird part of the article where the author C.R. Robert says, I believe Brian Canfield, and I believe that we daily face so many real things fearful, drugs, gangs, AIDS, violence, divorce, poverty, Rwanda, Bohemia, tuberculosis, <laughs> North Korea, and so on. <laughs> hey, bud. Are you, are you doing okay? I might need like a long weekend or something, huh? One of those things is not like the other, and it's going to have to be divorce. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the one that spawned the other ones in that article, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so many it's bad things are happening. Man. Linda's leaving. She's taking the kids. <laughs> North Korea's probably doing something now. <laughs> but Canfield oh, is not the only person who witnessed our blue friend. Okay. And in the same year, Butch Whitaker, an amateur pilot. <laughs> do you like that name? Butch Whitaker. Yes, I do. <laughs> okay, so- is, that, is he an option? Maybe. Oh, no one's ever dated one of the witnesses before. Maybe. That'd be Take fun. Take on, on a nice little piloting trip. What are those called? A flight? I believe <laughs> that they're called flights, yeah. So he said that Car he was... Sailing. <laughs> Car sailing. Car uh, sailing. Sky driving. Sky driving. That's what it was. So yeah. that's, that's it. He said that he was sky driving over the area. Yeah. <laughs> And an enormous winged creature pulled up next to him and kept pace for a few minutes before flying away. Pulled up next to him. I love it. Hey. <laughs> How's it going? Hey, Fancy meeting you here. I can't believe he didn't. I would crash my airplane. Oh, 100. I'd do it on purpose. I'd be like, nope, I'm out. This is it. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> I'd rather not. Thank you. Bye. Would you attempt to take the creature out or would you just... Oh, fuck no. Those, those, especially with like an amateur, like a biplane, those things, like you hit like a dove and that thing splits in half. There's, there's no way. I mean, but if you're going to crash and kill yourself anyways, why, why not attempt to take out the oh, bluish ape man? I don't want to hurt the ape man. I just don't want to be alive in a world where he exists. That is such a strong reaction. <laughs> yeah, well, it was, it was my knee jerk reaction. I, it, I, and I'm going to stick with it. I have one more witness report. Okay. And this one I was going to summarize, but I can't. I have to read exactly what they said. <laughs> Hit me. So in 2009, hikers reported seeing a creature that fits this description. Ooh, that's a typo. I wrote fists this description. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Woo, Freudian <slip. laughs> In 2009, hikers reported seeing a creature that fits this description while on a trail in Mount Shasta, California. Shasta. So it's going south. Mm-hmm. One of the witnesses reported, I mean, this thing was huge. It was as tall as a man, as stocky as Hulk Hogan, and had leathery wings. I believe... <laughs> Hulk Hogan is peak stockiness, for sure. That's what I think of when I think of stocky. <laughs> when I first heard it, I thought she was just going to say the Hulk. It was as stocky as yeah, the yeah. Hulk. No, Hulk yeah, Hogan. That would make more sense, man. I believe the wingspan was at least 50 feet from one end to the other. I was holding up my camera, but was paralyzed with fear as the thing flew by me. I didn't get a picture. Sorry. What do you think this might be? Could it be a pterodactyl? It was flying or gliding fast. It seemed to have a head of a bat. Thinking about it, it doesn't have the head of a pterodactyl. I just saw a picture of a pterodactyl and the heads are not similar. 
Uh, I'd like to just take one moment to say that um, between this woman deciding that Hulk Hogan was peak stockiness and and the idea that she thought the wingspan was 50 feet long, I don't know that she has the spatial reasoning for us to really <laughs> worry about that assessment. <laughs> so you don't think that he's made it to California? Uh, I mean, that could be very possible because it strikes me as a pretty pretty chill dude so far. I mean, especially... Especially considering how curious and comfortable he is with everybody else. He just seems kind of laid back. Like maybe he was taking a little vacation to Big Sur, perhaps. Oh, yeah. You know what? Cryptids deserve vacations, too. Yeah. And it's not like they got the man on their back. So, you know, free vacation time. They don't have to worry about it. Oh, so true. They don't have to pay for extra baggage. Word, word, word. So although our Washington bachelor was only sighted after the eruption of Mount St. Helens, there is a similar creature in Texas with sightings that date back to 1970, though it appears mm. to be more of a wolf-flying man than a bat-flying man. So I don't think they're the same thing. Okay. Although, I don't know. There could be a lot, there could be the whole, the whole genus of uh, flying cryptids, and the only thing that they have similar is that they are... Uh, you know. Hulk Hogan-esque? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just, just stocky. Like, I'm talking the Hulk Hogan stocky. What if they're, like, Hulk Hogan clones, like, in some weird alternate reality? <laughs> I love the idea that it looked just like Hulk Hogan, and she did not recognize it, but used Hulk Hogan as a descriptor. <laughs> she was like, what could this creature possibly be? I've never seen anything like it. Well, the only thing I've seen is Hulk Hogan. <laughs> ever in my life <laughs> i don't know what an ape is whenever people say that things are ape-like i have no idea what they could possibly mean but hulk hogan have, for sure i've never seen a wrestler named ape so i don't know what they're talking about but hulk hogan <laughs> it definitely didn't look like the rock and it was not a john cena it was definitely a hulk hogan <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, those are the Another three game. wrestlers that I know. Oh no, I know the Grave yep. Digger. Yeah, the, uh, wait, is it? Is there a Grave Digger and an Undertaker? Oh no, I think it's the Undertaker. Uh, there might. I, I don't know. I I feel like WWE or whatever is missing out if there isn't also a Grave Digger. Doesn't the Undertaker eat worms? Because uh, the one that I saw ate worms out of his pocket. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing, dude. <laughs> like he pulled a bunch of worms out of his front jean pocket and ate them. I love the I love the idea that before that before that show they were like, uh, yeah. So I was thinking like I should just eat some like worms, like you know, like graves and worms. Like, dude, you should you should do that. You should totally. It's gonna do be that. so okay. freaky. It's gonna be so freaky. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> I have a friend who's obsessed with wrestling, and he goes to the the National Wrestling Good Boy Championship every year in Texas. <laughs> okay. It sounds really cool. I would love to go. <laughs> I uh I I turned around on it back when the when the whole like there was a weird moment where suddenly wrestling was okay to like was not super super lame all of a sudden. Mhm. I, I don't know if you remember that, but like I remember watching some video about some guy being really um really enthusiastic about it and i was like okay you know what as a performative thing uh, it's 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 kind of fun i can kind of dig that yeah i have to the say end. i've been watching i've been watching glow on netflix highly recommend oh, yeah. highly yeah, recommend it. and it made me appreciate wrestling 
so much because I think there's a really great scene where one of the, actually there is a, I don't think she's a wrestler, but I think she's the daughter of a famous wrestler is in it. And she in the show plays the daughter of a famous wrestler. Oh, nice. And I think her actual wrestling brothers are also in it anyways, but she's trying to explain to them that wrestling isn't just, you know, like a stupid sport. Like there's drama and there's comedy and there's, you know, soap element-esque parts to it and so she takes them to a show and like before the show starts you know the guys are like getting ready to wrestle and then all of a sudden a woman comes out and she's narrating she's like oh that's so-and-so's high school sweetheart they've been married since they were 18 but this guy is his number one enemy and he kidnapped her and brainwashed her and so he's trying to get her back and so before the wrestling match you know they did a silly little skit where they were acting it out and uh, I realize that, that it, it that's true. They do. They put so much effort into these weird theatrical stunts that seem really campy. But then when you think about how they've created this whole arc that they put into a show where they then beat the shit out of each other, it's just so wild. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, it's very, um, uh, one of the things that I, I've started to appreciate it about it is just that it does not have, and like, I guess this is the reason it was kind of maligned in the first place, but it has no real like pomp and circumstance and haughtiness and it almost reminds me of shakespeare doing plays that appealed to the lower classes and let them come in and watch it with with the with the rich and everything like that um where it's just like it's yeah i don't know totally uh, totally yeah yeah so i can dig that so i'm gonna think of purple hulk hogan for the rest of this time now okay good that's that's very much your picture so cliff cliff at pararational has two ideas of what this creature could be okay it could be a creature from another dimension that was pulled through a terror in space time by the explosion at mount st helens okay or it's an alien doing reconnaissance damn now while i was perusing the comments on cliff's article there was one comment that really struck me (laughs) okay and it reads my husband and i live in keslow washington and the creature is here can someone please help me who do i report (laughs) this to this is real and we are a little frightened at what we have seen and heard thank you for any help i can get wow (laughs) so he's like hanging no one, but no one responded to them. No one responded to that comment on that article. My goodness. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe they learned the uh, the lesson that we learned, and they were like, "Well, we're not going to talk about this directly because uh, that's what brings them about." You know, I, now that I'm I'm really thinking about it, it did say like the initial description that he is very sinister, but he's never actually done anything. Yeah, he doesn't sound sinister. I was going to say, like, it sounds pretty chill, to be honest. Yeah, he just sounds like he's curious when he sees people. Yeah. And I'm and sure when like, he saw the airplane, he was like, is this another, is this a friend? Is this someone like me? And then he was like, oh, there's just a little dude in this big metal beast. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah he was, he was, he was going to make a pass at the biplane. And then he was like, oh, wait. No, no, not a not a creature, not another cryptid. It's just one of those weird little Hulk Hogan's. <laughs> those little guys that look like I don't know Hulk Hogan, I guess. Like small Hulk Hogan's though. <laughs> <laughs> like small, less stocky, a handlebar mustacheless Hulk Hogan. <laughs> so that, that's all. That's all that I have for you for Bachelor Number One. Okay, uh, I mean it's a strong start. I I don't hate it. Our next singleton is from Alaska. 
Yeah. And they are found in the folklore of the Tlingit and the Shimshian people. Wait, Tlingit or Tlingit? Tlingit. Like with a K? Uh, it's spelled T-L-I-N-G-I-T. Yeah, Tlingit. Tlingit? Tlingit. Tlingit? Like, I, okay, like a- I listened to a pronunciation guide on this like 17 times, and I was like, I do not know what the fuck this person is saying. <laughs> I haven't I haven't heard it since Alaska, which was like 1999. Okay, how do you so how do you pronounce it? I feel like it's cling it. Cling, cling it. Like t- like almost a t and l at the same time, like cling it. <laughs> cling it. Like t is coming out of the tip of your tongue, and the l is coming from the glottal stop in the back of your throat. But I don't know because all the other words that I've looked up that start with a t from this area, they don't pronounce the t. Hmm. Or like yeah. it's not obvious. Like the Shimshian, it's spelled t s i m s h i a, but it's Shimshian. But it could okay. be that it's like Shimshian, and I just can't do the ts sound so i don't know yeah it might be like because if it's anything like japanese like they'll add t before s and it's just like a slightly sharper (sighs) yeah i'm sorry i'm sorry for my stupid american tongue yeah we're (sighs) gonna talk about it right now because i'm i'm furious (laughs) i'm getting angry letters right now (laughs) i'm writing them from other people I listened. I listened to a pronunciation guide for so long, and I was like, I just don't know. It sounded like they're saying "cling it," but I was like, I, I mean, know. I'm probably going to get called out because really, I haven't thought about that word in like in like probably 15 years. But I feel like that's what it was back in the day. Okay, I believe you. Cling it. Okay. Cling it. So, Cling it. this these singletons are people who can transform into a land otter, which is a river otter, and their motives are just as mysterious as they are. Sometimes they help people. Sometimes they don't. Mostly they don't. So so they're like people so far. Yeah. Esoteric (laughs) began their piece on uh, Singleton Number 2 in the best way possible, so I'm going to quote directly from them. Perfect. There are five important facts to know about otters. One, they are believed to be one of the most intelligent non-human species on the planet. Okay. Two, there's evidence that they have endured for more than 30 million years. Three, they have been known to create tools. Mm -hmm. Four, every continent except Australia and Antarctica has an otter population. And five... Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that either, actually. And five, if the legendary... I can't say its name yet. So if the legendary single number two is any indication, they would like to steal your soul. (laughs) Whoa! Oh, what a what a shock at the end. <laughs> they lure their victims deeper into icy water or closer to the shore. This fuzzy-wuzzy little guy can imitate a screaming woman or a crying infant to keep their victims coming. <laughs> Which I don't know if you have ever heard an otter make noises, but they I, I 100% believe that because it's not dissimilar. Then to a crying infant? Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of animals, when they make... They're sad, scary sounds. It sounds like an, a baby crying. For sure, for sure. If you are killed by one, you become one. And the Klingit believe this prevents you from being inc- reincarnated, depriving you of another life after death. Well, okay, wait a minute. Isn't that a life, though? Or are they like immortal? It's a shit. It's a shit life, though. You're like what? this weird, you're an evil land otter man. 
What part of that sounds bad? They don't like it. They're evil. Land otters are evil. I did a I did some research on otters for this for this singleton. Mm-hmm. I've I've been wrong about otters my whole life. <laughs> so I did know I always knew that there's a difference between river otters and sea otters. Yeah, river otters can be pretty fucking creepy looking. And they're very big. They're like twice the size. And uh, sea otters are the ones that almost went extinct. So there are more river otters than there are sea otters. Okay. I watched. I found this article that I will I will include in the show notes, but I do recommend that people not read it if you are faint of heart. I watched a video. <laughs> you sound devastated. <laughs> I watched a video of a monkey. <laughs> It was at the Bronx Zoo, and the sea otters and the monkeys were in the same cage. And the monkeys kept pulling the otters out and, like, slapping them and punching them. And, like, were just totally molesting these sea otters. And the sea otters were, like, screaming and trying to get away. And then one day, one of the monkeys got too close, and seven otters pulled it into the water and began eating it and drinking round it while all the other monkeys tried to save it. <laughs> Street justice. <laughs> and then I read another thing about sea otters that there was this one researcher who has watched them sexually assault baby seals. Ooh, yeah, I think I've actually heard about that. Like they do it a lot apparently and then they <laughs> kill them after they're done. <sighs> <sighs> wow yeah that's a lot that's a, like <laughs> in terms of what's too much that's it's pretty up there it's yeah you can't be a good creature if like you do that enough that there are scientific articles that are like are otters bad <laughs> are they evil for real though yeah like i know they're um, cute and they hold hands but also they do some weird things they do some dark shit <laughs> Oh boy. So so not only that, like not only are natural normal otters evil, but on top of that the Tlingit are like, okay, but these ones are like evil. Yeah, they turn you into a scary man otter and then you can't Mm. be reincarnated, so you're just stuck in one life, which is very bad. Yeah, okay. Okay. So they do have one folktale about a man that the the otter men save from drowning. By turning him into one of them. He meets a woman who has also been transformed by them and she offers him a chance to escape, although she doesn't want to go with him because she has come to love her life with them. The man is taken back to Sitska and frightens the people so much that they can't sleep. One night, they lay a trap for him with dog bones on which he slices open his hands. As he's screaming in pain, because dog bones are their greatest weakness, they tie him up and cut his head with more dog bones. Uh, Okay. This reverses the transformation. Oh. After he's turned back into a man, he only ever eats raw meat and fish. Raw meat and raw fish. One day, a group of men he is fishing with pressure him into eating cooked halibut. When he finally relents and eats some, he dies. He fucking dies. That's the end of the story. 
All right, so let's go back. Let's go back a minute because you said that there was a woman that was living with the otters. Mm-hmm. She had been like, turned into one of them. Okay, but she was like, she was, she was like into it though. Like it was a good time. Well, in the story, it says that she had come to appreciate her life because she had been with them for so long. Yeah, so she that's, was, that's all I'm saying. She that's was, all I'm saying. but I, she was married to two of them. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. It 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 sounds like maybe maybe things are a little too harsh on these river otters. I do have a, a very famous sighting. Okay. Uh, by Harry Culp, who was a miner in the 1900s, who had a very frightening experience and wrote about it. However, his story was never published until after his death, when his daughter found it and decided to share it with the world. So he he wrote essentially like a. a diary entry recounting what had happened and then never told anyone as gold prospectors harry and the men he was working with are told to travel to thomas bay where is thomas bay by the way uh that one i don't know actually i'm not very familiar with that okay so they're told to travel to thomas bay thomas bay is known by the tlingit as the bay of death due to a landslide that wiped out an entire village nearly two centuries before whoa bummer The men decide that Charlie will go to see if they can find gold. Heading out in May, Charlie doesn't return until June, but when he does, he has quite the story to tell. He says that after reaching the bay, he finds a piece of quartz and settles in for the night to hunt. As he is setting his sights towards the lake, he sees something horrifying. And this is what he told Harry on his way back. Hmm. I got the scare of my life. I hope to God I never see or go through the likes of it again. Swarming up the ridge toward me from the lake were the most hideous creatures. I couldn't call them anything but devils, and they were neither men nor monkeys, yet looked like both. They were entirely sexless, their bodies covered with long, coarse hair, except where the scabs and running sores had replaced it. Each one seemed to be reaching out for me and striving to be the first to get me. The air was full of their cries, and the stench from their sores and bodies made me faint. I turned and ran. God, how I did run. (laughs) I could feel their hot breath on my back. Their long, claw-like fingers scraped my back. The smell from their steaming, stinking bodies was making me sick, while the noises they made drove me mad. (laughs) Okay, Edgar Allan Poe, holy shit. Also, A plus delivery. Just felt so inspired by Charlie's story. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. That's a. Uh, I was trying to. I was trying to like equivocate it as I was listening to be like, oh well, maybe this or that, that happened. But man, that's uh, <laughs> that's either a lie or a or a big big nightmare. Something that I actually found very interesting about the story. So this story was called the strangest story ever told. That's how it was published. Wow, hubris. Okay. <laughs> Well, it was published by his daughter, so like, give him a break. He's not the one who was like, and this is the most miraculous thing you'll ever hear. Yeah, I'm really talking about. One thing that I think was interesting that we touched on yesterday, which no one will ever know about, was we talked about how people tend to describe things 
with what they're familiar with, which is why you have so many cryptids that have like ox-like bodies or hog-like bodies, depending on the region that they're seen in, because that's all that those people have seen. And so I like that he says it's neither man nor monkey, where it's known by the native people to be an otter, but these men were gold prospectors, so they weren't from Alaska. So I would imagine that they'd never seen an otter before. Yeah, it's very possible. Also, I loved that halfway through his description of it, one of the very important things that he wanted everybody to know, he was like, now I know what you're going to ask next. Was it a boy or a girl? I couldn't figure it out. It had no titties. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) It was the most terrifying creature I've ever seen. Covered in fur, no titties to speak of. And they're like, oh, Charlie, if it didn't have any titties, did it have a dick? No. No dick. Didn't see a dick. What madness is this, Charlie? A creature <laughs> with no dick gender. and no titties. <laughs> <laughs> Entirely dickless. <laughs> How do they procreate? <laughs> yeah, um, the, the sores and the smell thing throws me for a loop, though. Why, you don't like that? You, didn't, you don't want yeah, to be pretty- smelly? Pretty gross. I guess, I mean, I guess if it was a big group of wild animals, there'd probably be a smell to it. But man, he really, he really chalked that up. He really made it sound like some serious nightmare shit. Like it was real nasty smells. Yeah. And like the idea that they were scraping his back, they were so close. But like, like <laughs> I don't really understand the physics of that. Well, they were just gently caressing his spine. <laughs> they, were, they were going for group shiatsu and he did he was not having it no <laughs> so in in Tlingit culture land otters represent the bridge between life and death because they are so oddly human meaning that mm. they're they're easy to anthropomorphize 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 good <laughs> anthropomorphize it's it isn't it anthropomorphize Physize. But if There's you're if you're physizing it, <laughs> I, don't, I mean, are we physizing it or not? <laughs> um, they're, also, e- they're easy to fize. <laughs> they're very fizable. Uh, which which I bet you no small part of that is that they have opposable thumbs, don't they? Mm-hmm. I don't know that they have opposable thumbs, but I know they can make tools. Yeah, they and they'll keep like their favorite rocks to to open up clamshells and stuff. Yeah, like that. and they like hold hands, so. Hang on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just Google otter hands really quick. Uh, so I'm seeing not opposable thumbs, but they're pretty dexterous. Do they have four fingers or five fingers? Or three fingers? Uh, five. That's kind of creepy. I don't like the idea it's, of five it, fingers and one isn't a thumb. It is actually halfway between kind of a hand and a paw because they're kind of longer and more dexterous, but they're definitely paw-esque. Okay. Not uh, opposable on the sides. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, the the land otter's presence plays an important role in death rituals. Okay. If a body can't be found, like if it's lost at sea or they die away from others, they can't Mm -hmm. properly prepare the body for rebirth. 
And so our singleton number two here is said to have taken and transformed the missing person into one of them. So these creatures serve as more than just a boogeyman. They're an important antithetical force to life and rebirth. Damn. Okay. Yeah, they're pretty maligned. They're evil, Seth. Damn it. <laughs> I don't know. It just sounds like they got kind of a shit gig. I don't know why I'm empathizing with them so much. I think I just like otters. Because they're otters, right? Because they're easy to fize. Because they're so cute and sizable. Despite the fact that they sexually assault baby seals. <laughs> and they killed that uh, monkey in the zoo. Yeah, I can't think of any good jokes <laughs> that aren't a huge bummer. So. There is a theory as to what these creatures could be. Okay. So Sasquatch is, well- <laughs> Sasquatch is a well-known local. And someone has suggested that the, perhaps these creatures are no. Sasquatches that have been infected with the disease that has driven them mad. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> like rabies, like Sasquatch rabies. <laughs> yeah, holy shit. And, and then like it turns them into tiny, entirely other creatures. No, they're not tiny. They're like man-sized. Oh, they're man-sized. Yeah. Okay. They're men who turn into what... man otters. Yeah, I thought I thought they were turning down into like otter-sized otters. Huh. No, they're big. They look like sasquatches, but otters. That's scary. Yeah, that makes more sense as to why they were because I was I was a pile of tiny sea otters trying to reach this dude's back to claw. Oh, like, okay. Yeah, they were <laughs> they were standing on top of one another. <laughs> now that would be some shit. A, p- a pile of evil sore, sore covered otters standing on each other's shoulders coming after you. <laughs> Alright, so last but certainly not least, let's travel to Utah. Okay. We're going to catch Singleton number three in their natural habitat. Mm. Located... Diane national Park. Huh? I'm, I'm going to get Zion. I don't know. Located in Bear Lake? Oh, no. Uh, where's Bear Lake? Isn't that north? There are actually a lot of Bear Lakes throughout the United States, apparently, but this is the one in Utah. Yeah, Bear Lake is uh, like at the very, very tip top. I think I've been to Bear Lake, actually. Okay, so it probably was actually pretty far away from you where you lived, right? Um, I actually lived this. I lived in um, Big Water, Kanab, Cedar City, Murray, Salt Lake City, and Logan. So okay. I've been all over that state. All right. So, well, this guy's located in Bear Lake. Okay. He's known to both the Shoshone tribe and the Mormons. <laughs> the Momos. As a long, cream-colored serpent-like creature that is thirty feet long with an alligator head, four powerful legs, and a tail. Okay. The Shoshan regard the creature as evil, and it indiscriminately snacks on animals and humans alike that wander too close to shore or swim in the lake. The Mormons, however, love it and want to convert it to Mormonism. (laughs) Throughout the 1800s, there were a few sightings, and Brigham Young himself planned to catch the creature. Here we go. (laughs) I don't have a quote from Brigham Young. That's probably for the best. I do, however, have a quote from 1868. Joseph C. Rich wrote that the creature the Shoshone tribe had been talking about had finally been spotted. He says, a number of our white settlers declare that they have seen it with their own eyes. (laughs) Which makes it valid now. This monster is causing a great deal of excitement up here. S.M. Johnson at South Edge was riding along near the lake the other day when he saw something a number of yards out in the lake, which he thought was the body of a man. 
He waited for the waves to wash it in, but to his surprise, found the water washed over it without causing it to move. Then he saw it had the head and neck like some strange creature. On each side of the head were ears or bunches the size of a pint cup. What? Bunches? <laughs> he concluded the body must be touching the bottom of this lake. Mm -hmm. The next day, three women and a man saw a monstrous animal in the lake near the same place, but this time it was swimming at an incredible speed. According to their statement, it was moving faster than a horse could run. <laughs> Holy shit. I've included a link to the original article in the show notes if you want to read the whole thing, but there is a warning that it is full of incredibly offensive, outdated language, and it does include a slur. Uh, also, is it possible that a time traveler may have showed up with a cream-colored yacht of some sort? And <laughs> <laughs> I've always wanted to go to 1868! I'm like, oh, fuck with the Mormons. This is the best time to be alive. Going <laughs> to bathe in the sun where the UV rays aren't quite as strong because the ozone layer hasn't been destroyed. <laughs> it's going to be so nice. And I'll put bunches on the yacht. It'll look like ears. Like he was trying to do like a Viking ship, but he just totally fucked it up and he made the worst. <laughs> he was a great time traveler, but a shit bowmaker. <laughs> he was like, oh no, I was hoping that I would be in... The Viking time. Where am I? <laughs> Is this fucking Utah? <laughs> I've made this boat to join the Vikings. I am super stuck in Bear Lake. <laughs> <laughs> I also like this idea that this guy saw something and he was like, oh, it's probably a dead body. I should wait for it to wash ashore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Joseph C. Rich later said that the entire story was fake. Hmm. But yeah. that, that didn't stop sightings. In 1907, Aquila C. Nebecker, which is a mm. great name. Do you know who yes, do you know who Aquila is? I don't I don't, but I, I did have a uh, a elementary school crush named Aquila, so that's funny. Oh. Yeah. It's a very pretty name. Yes it is. She's he, a very pretty girl. He well, this was a man. Yeah. And he was governor for a time, and he also was the president of the Utah Treasury, and he did something stupid. He, like, failed to ratify. He failed to send a representative to Congress one year. That's what he did. <laughs> He's like, I forgot. Shit, whoops. I didn't send out the ballot. And behold, I forgot. And I'm going to I'm going to tell his entire story as he said it. I, this is a very quote heavy episode, but it's because the sightings are just so great. Everyone has such beautiful sightings that they shared with such great detail. Usually, the sightings are like poorly worded and they don't make any sense, and so I have to reword them. But these mm. are just poetic. <laughs> it's like their fourth draft for sure. So he says that he not only saw the monster but that he stopped it from destroying his farm. Mm. As it rampaged through his pens, eating pigs and swallowing barbed wire, he jumped into action. <laughs> Fuck. I noticed my large gramophone standing on the table ready for use. An inspiration <laughs> struck me. I called to mind the value of music in taming the snakes and wild animals of the forest, and I decided to try it. <laughs> Oh, God damn it. 
hastily winding up the machine, I opened wide the front door, squarely in the face of the approaching monster, and turned loose my music. (laughs) As it happened, the record on the machine was the incomparable tomb Home Sweet Home, and its strains floated out on the midnight air. I noticed that the monster halted, then stopped. His head being low, a reminiscent smile played over his features, and as the chorus was ready, (laughs) we were surprised to see the monster's tail switch round toward his neck. As we'd watched, we noted a string instrument, something like a leer at the end of the animal's tail, and as Home Sweet Home continued, the monster didn't do a thing but utilize his several hands or feet, in playing an accompaniment to the grand old tune. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) As I moved to his side, the monster seemed to welcome me as a friend of other days, and before Home Sweet Home was ended, the animal's head rested on my shoulder, and we were mingling our tears together. Great streams of tears poured from his eyes, and finally they flowed so copiously that the monster floated away in them. Thoughts thoughts of his subterraneous home were too much for him, and though he seemed loath to go, he waved us a sad farewell and disappeared from sight. A point of particular interest just here is that as the monster passed the barn, it left my barbed wire stacked up nicely, and on top of the pile left that leer on which it had played that accompaniment. Imagine my surprise at discovering the stringed instrument to be a portion of a bale of that wire and a part of my pig pin worked up into the most approved form. Now, boys, that is the straight of that monster story, but don't call him a monster any longer. For he is truly, wondrously human. (laughs) While you're here, check out my novellas, available on Amazon. (laughs) At least that was, that was, uh, at first I was incredulous, but I'm very happy that I know this story now. I I love the fucking balls of this dude who like no not only was he like I'm gonna tell people that I met a creature that shouldn't possibly exist but also that I kicked my front door open played music at it and then it played music with me and we emotionally bonded (laughs) (laughs) what the fuck it's such a beautiful tale so I like I like that rendition of that creature a lot better than just it floats around and sometimes swims very quickly. <laughs> well, also, well, according to the Shoshona, it does like eat people, but. Oh. Uh, and sometimes Mormons would see it cavorting on the shore. <laughs> I do. I'm not a big fan of when cryptids cavort. So that's. <laughs> hey, stop it. <laughs> yeah, you, you cut that out. You cut that out. Sightings have tapered off since 1904, with the occasional hiker noting the lake stirring with no wind or scuba diver seeing something large moving out of the corner of their eye. The Standard Examiner reports that the current wildlife biologist Darren DeBlos with the Utah Division of Wildlife Resources has said that he hasn't had any monster sightings since he's been there. He says, I have heard the story about the elk swim in the lake, and that could account for something in the water. Elk numbers around the lake are small, and I haven't personally seen elk in the lake since I started up here. (laughs) Uh, I like the idea 
that there was just an elk, a full visible elk swimming out in Bear Lake. And, uh, and, and an old pioneer man came up and went, oh my goodness, what is this great beast? This alligator creature who loves music. <laughs> and the Shoshana were like, what can we tell these white people to leave? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, that? No, that's the monster. <laughs> <laughs> Eats the fuck out of people, dude. Yeah, you should leave immediately. Holy shit. But there was a sighting most recently, or rather the remains of a sighting. Hmm. In Golden City, the remains of a large, unidentified creature resembling a dinosaur were found on the shore of Bear Lake. Hmm. Did you just Google it super fast? <laughs> yeah. I was, <laughs> I, was, uh, I was trying to find Golden City. Do you want me to send you the link to the article? Uh, mm, 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 I'm going to mm. be honest. It looks like a whale. That's, yeah, I was going to say, it's for sure just going to be, like, something. People are going to be like, no, no, it's definitely a, a great It piece. looks like a whale, but what has happened is that there's still meat attached to the back and the head, but not mm. to the mouth. And so the mouth looks like a beak because it's just okay. bone. Yeah. Uh, and then there's no stomach. So it looks very thin and serpentine-like. Interesting. Uh, apparently it smelled really bad. Oh, it was. Did you say Garden City? What did Garden City? Yeah. What did I say? Did I yeah, say I thought weird? I thought you said Golden. For some reason. Oh, maybe I did. Well, Bear Lake is pretty big, so it could have some kind of weird thing in it, like that whales and such. The Utah Division of Wildlife Resources said the exact nature is not to be determined. It definitely looks a lot like a crocodile. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't look like a crocodile. I would never think that I was a crocodile. <laughs> Oh yeah, they just have to uh, they have to <laughs> keep that cryptid steez going, so anybody will show any kind of interest in the outdoors. I don't think this man has a degree in animal recognition, <laughs> or, or yeah, or knows shit. <laughs> what is this? Is that a crocodile? This is a this is a bird. What? <laughs> What's wrong? Uh, it certainly, you know, you you I, you could say it looks like a crocodile, right? No, he's, he's the living embodiment of that meme. Of that guy with the butterfly that's like, is this a bird? But he's like, is this a crocodile? <laughs> is this a cryptid? <laughs> what a damn fool. So that's what that's what I got for you. Those are the three the three friends I have for you. Alright, they're pretty solid. Um I, I thought for sure at first that I knew I knew like it like easily and handily who I might uh, appreciate most going on a date with. Um I have some photos for you. Yeah, hit me up. I'll send them to you in Discord. Does that work? Just, just cord here. Okay. So, so this is uh, I. I have two two photos of Bachelor Number One. One of them just it just tickles me, right? So I'm including it because I just love it so so much. Okay. All right. I'm sending it over. <laughs> oh, big boy! <laughs> My goodness. Yeah, he definitely has a bat head, bat face. And then the one that was actually included in the official... Oh, no. Where is it? There it oh. is. This is the one that was in the newspaper. Whoa. Uh, immediate Kylo Ren shirtless vibes. Oh, yeah. Super, super a, hench. Super broad. <laughs> <laughs> so number uh, one is the Bat Squatch. <laughs> the Bat Squatch. <laughs> oh, it's clever. <laughs> it's, it's so much time. I like both renditions. I think I like the second one a little bit more. I like this big white boy. And I just like the idea that this is a very 
kind of low-key, chill guy who travels a lot and is curious and has a certain joie de vivre, but it's very stoic. All right, now I'll send you our second, our second one. Wow, that is that is a heavy metal otter. <laughs> <laughs> he, he looks like the wording of a heavy metal uh, cover. It's very intense. That's the Kushtaka or the Land Otterman. Kushtaka, that's cool. And then our third one. <laughs> it's very dramatic. It's the Bear Lake Monster. Oh my goodness. So yeah, it's basically just kind of a very, very smooth alligator. Yeah, there, there are lots of artistic renderings of the Bear Lake Monster, but I did like this one. Yeah, yeah, I dig it. It's got some uh, some mighty, mighty teeth. His feet are always of varying numbers. Some people are like four, really? and then some people are like, I'm not sure how many feet he had. <laughs> <laughs> and then that one guy was like, his mini hand feet. <laughs> He's got 50 hundred. So, I mean, I'm definitely, <laughs> except for the fact that, like, I would be, I would be, bandmates with number three, with the, with the Bear Lake monster. For sure, he seems very emotionally available, but uh, yeah, not that into crocodiles or dinosaurs. Not not really my my cup of tea. Um, I still have I still have a draw to number two because I feel like this is a smear campaign. I feel like he, there's a lot of negative propaganda, that a lot of a lot of stuff that a lot of libel that has been kind of hoisted against this river otter creature. Land otter. But heavy metal land otter. But I definitely, definitely am going to have to go with the Basquatch because, I don't know, just, he, he just feels wholesome. I can dig that. He also looks like he would give really great hugs. And I will say sure. that um, I believe, oh, let me, let me, let me check my journal. Mm. Oh, oh, I'm doing a reach. Doing a reach while connected to my headphones. The long reach. Um, yeah, exactly. So uh, at the Nobody Know, who actually will be doing a guest episode in two weeks, he said that he Very. always wanted to date someone who was accepting and furry that could keep him warm and give him lots of <laughs> cuddles. And I feel like the Bat Squatch may be up his alley because he hasn't yeah. he hasn't attacked anyone. Uh, he just seems curious. Hmm. Um. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and also you know free travel, like free flights, because you you know you know that motherfucker can put you on his back and go. Oh yeah, he's huge. He has like a fifty foot wingspan. Get a couple dates in, and then finally pop the question: like, did you fire out of Mount St. Helens? And then you would know. But what if, what if that's a really sore subject for him? Well, that's why I'm saying like a couple dates in, like you develop a little trust and rapport, and it's like. You know, like it's got to come up one way or another because it's kind of a big, big three hundred pound or eight hundred pound basquatch in the room. Yeah, my my fear for you is that you would date basquatch and you would you know text me about how great he is and how you guys are having such a good time and he makes you laugh and you know mm-hmm. you would fall in love with him and then you would ask the question, "Did you come from Mount St. Helens from another dimension?" And he would say. Uh, he would pause and and kind of look up. He's he wouldn't make eye contact with you at first, and then finally mm. he'd look at you and he'd say yes. And I'm I'm trying to get home because I don't belong mm. here. And then one day he would leave through a new time space tear. Yeah, but like I mean, 
it's better to have loved Bat Squatch and lost Bat Squatch than never to have loved Bat loved Bat Squatch at all. So I feel like that would actually be a pretty wholesome, important life event. And I could see him off. He could go back to his people, and then I can just go fucking date Hulk Hogan. The next best thing. <laughs> yeah, what, I mean, like if if we're talking about like if that becomes my type, who else but Hulk Hogan? Hulk Hogan does have a daughter that looks a lot like him. If maybe Hulk Hogan's a little too... Not interested. I need, I need, I need the full <laughs> real thing. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> if you could date any wrestler, who would it be? Ooh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I thought I, Sting was the only one that I thought was genuinely cool when I was little and I watched it. Sting? Mm-hmm. I thought he was a singer. <laughs> he moonlighted. He moonlighted as a WWE wrestler. I would date the guy who ate worms out of his pockets just because it's so bold. It's so bold. Yeah. It's he's, like he's, he, he makes strong, creative, artistic decisions about about what he's passionate about. Okay, hold on. Let me Google wrestler who eats worms. Oh my gosh, who eats worms? It came up right away. Are you talking about the boogeyman? Because that I is am talking about the boogeyman. Terrifying. So he's been married to his wife Melissa George since 1984. Oh my gosh! Congratulations, you guys. And he's working as an aerobics instructor in Denver, Colorado now. Good on you. Oh man. hey, you should move to Denver, and then I can visit <laughs> you and we can do an aerobics class with him. <laughs> Why are those two staring at me really intensely the whole time? <laughs> Do you eat worms? <laughs> I brought you some worms in case you got hungry. Well, all right. that That's the episode of Monster Crush that I have for you. Hey, fabulous. Um, I, I have feelings about Bat Squatch. Well, maybe he's still out there waiting for you. Just take a drive to Mount Rainier. <laughs> Get in my biplane. Just take a look around. Just fly. Maybe you can find uh what was that guy's name? The one who had the really great name. Butch Whitaker. Yeah, Butch. <laughs> we could all go bowling or something. Get together with Butch and Brian. You guys can go search for the bat squatch. Do a whole do a whole biplane Aladdin scene. I can show you the world. <laughs> Is that you, you or is that Butch, or is that Brian, or is that the Bat Squatch? <laughs> it was supposed to be the Bat Squatch, but I like the I like the narrative that that's my singing voice <laughs> quite a bit. <laughs> a different Magic voice actor does right. your singing. <laughs> zero self awareness. <laughs> thanks so much for having me. By the way, I appreciate it, and and for recording another one with me. Well, yeah, thanks, thanks for doing around two with me. Um, I'm really yeah. sorry that people won't get to listen to your episode because it was really quite fantastic, <laughs> but it was also it. very, very lewd. Okay, it was, but there was a lot of <laughs> there was a lot of butt related stuff with the cryptids. That wasn't my fault. It was kind of your fault, and it was also kind of my <laughs> fault. We definitely went there a lot yeah. more than was needed. Uh, and well, so... I mean, <laughs> needed is interpretable. All right. Well, thank you so much, uh, everyone. There will be another special guest episode in two weeks' time because we're back on our regular schedule, and then Ellie will be back in time. Back in time. <laughs> so, wow, she's time traveling too. Yeah, she actually was the guy life. in the. <laughs> Ellie with a fake mustache in 1800s clothes. Wow, look at that crocodile. <laughs> <laughs>
in her Viking, her fake Viking boat. Um, yeah. So thanks. I forgot what I was going to say. Uh, okay. Guest episode, two weeks time. And then back on regular schedule. And then Ellie will be back Wait. from her vacation. Uh, bye. Bye. <laughs> bye. Hello again. If it sounds like I'm recording this the next day after we've already recorded the entire episode, it's because we have. We forgot to plug all of Seth's stuff, so I'm here to do that now. The super awesome new intro and outro song that you're hearing was created by Seth for the show, and it is fantastic. I'm going to be playing the entire thing at the end of this episode so you can listen to how great it is. You can find him on Twitter at sender underscore, underscore, underscore. That is three underscores. He can also be found on SoundCloud as Ender. You can find his music, Palmer's Medic, on iTunes and Spotify and pretty much everywhere. I will make sure that there is a link to his Twitter in the show notes. Thank you.